So I really hit this crossroads and then there was this other side of me that was like the voice was just getting louder and louder in my head. And it really was the voice of my higher self or mm -hmm. the voice of my guide speaking to me in the form of my higher self. I now realize that was just calling me to just really take a moment, take a pause in cyclical living sense mm -hmm. and just really look at the direction of my life and whether or not I was just following along a plan that other people had put in place for me, following along with the matrix, right, of job after job and yeah. you're a slave to the system kind of thing, or whether or not I was really creating a life by design. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cyclical Living Podcast, a podcast that will inspire and empower you to live your full, cyclical, soulful life. I am your host, Dara Duth, and I am here to help you be your most embodied self. I am a holistic health coach, body worker, herbalist, and priestess of the Avalon Rose lineage. I am here to assist women and men to come back to their natural pace, following the rhythms of their body and nature around them so that they can open up to their deepest layers rooted in pleasure and soul purpose. Enjoy this episode, my love. Today's guest is Elsa Field. She is a fearless soul singer, a goddess visionary, a priestess of Avalon and sacred and devotional musician. Her joy and passion is to guide women to come home to the divine channels that they naturally are. She has been developing the sacred practice of the devotional singer for the past 10 years. And in the past four years within the healing lineage of the priestesses of Avalon. She was called to dedicate her life to the goddess as her priestess and in 2018 she moved to Glastonbury, her soul's home where she now lives and works, creating devotional music for the Lady of Avalon, the great goddess of that sacred land. So welcome Elsa Field to the Cyclical Living Podcast. I'm so happy to have you on here. Yay. Mm, oh. It's a joy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, very, very welcome. Um, before we dive into the beautiful conversation that we'll have, um, could you maybe just briefly explain a bit more? I mean, we had your brief intro, but still, it's always nice to hear it from the person itself as well, of who you are, what you do, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. So I am a priestess. I'm a priestess of Avalon and a priestess of Sacred Sound. And so my real life's calling is to assist the reawakening of goddess consciousness, of divine feminine consciousness in the world, and to do that through the voices of women. So my training was as a classical and jazz singer, and I then changed tack and began to use my musical background for devotional song and sacred sound. And that was when I discovered how much sacred sound and 
voice work can really open us up to new levels of connection with the divine and with our feminine bodies as well. And so I love to weave all of this together into group programs, into sacred sound bars in person and online, and just spread this beautiful consciousness around the power of the feminine voice back into the world. Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. And um, I've actually had the joy to receive one of these sound baths in real life. And wow, they are, I would say otherworldly, but they're also of this world. They're just such, so beautiful and so deep. And yeah, you really have such a great gift for that. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. Oh, I'm so glad you received from it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, maybe before we, like before, because you introduced yourself as a priestess of, of Avalon. I am too, priestess of the Avalon Rose lineage, but maybe a lot of people listening won't know what that is mm. um, because this podcast is also for more of the mainstream and the spiritual. So maybe for all those who don't know what Avalon is, can you briefly mention that and what a priestess of Avalon is I know it's really deep but (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure we can we can dive into that so I feel like there are two components to your question so there's the priestess component what is a priestess and then the Avalon component what is Avalon where is it how do we connect with it (laughs) all of this so I mean, the word priestess means something different, I feel, to each one of us who really embodies that, that, um, yeah, that title. And with that being said, I do feel that the common thread is this reawakening of what it means to be a feminine spiritual leader, Mm. a spiritual way shower in today's world. And so with that, with with that consciousness being a priestess is really your own path of empowerment in sharing your spiritual gifts with the world and fully connecting to and embodying your power your spiritual power your creatrix creator power to create your reality and to birth your reality so there's so many layers and components to the word priestess but it's it's not just someone who has a devotional or spiritual practice. Mm. It's someone who, who really embodies the sharing of it. So even if it's just sharing with your family and friends or sharing in the way that you relate to others and the way that you hold space for others, other people's transformation in your life, mm. it can be really simple, but it's that, that weaving, that stepping up into that, next level of of sharing your spiritual gifts rather than than hoarding them for yourself Mm -hmm. right yeah so that's the priestess component and the avalon component so avalon is um this this otherworldly realm really where we can go for soul retrieval for reconnection with parts of our soul that we haven't yet brought in in this lifetime 
And so this is already sounding pretty woo woo. I'm I'm aware that some of your (laughs) listeners might be like, what is how what is soul retrieval? How do we connect with our souls? So this could be a podcast all in itself. But really, Avalon is this magical land beyond space and time. Mm -hmm. And it's also attuned to and linked to the physical land of Glastonbury in Somerset in England, where Mm -hmm. I live. I've lived here for four years now. And so this is one of the portals to Avalon, but really it's kind of beyond the space time dimension. Mm-hmm. It can't be, it can't be pinned down and you can access the Avalonian energy from wherever you are on this planet. So to be a priestess of Avalon is to be one who's really in devotion to the mysteries of Avalon, to the mysteries of the soul. And really devoted to this sacred land here in Glastonbury, to the mysteries of this land, one who's discovered those portals and can be a way shower for others. So that was part of my priestess path, was really feeling the call of Avalon and knowing that I have been a priestess here before in in previous lifetimes as well. And that's a common thread that connects many of us who are drawn to the Avalon lineage of teachings, whether you train in the training that I did or any of the other beautiful souls who are bringing forward Avalonian teachings. And of course, like you did, mixing it with the Rose lineage, that's such a beautiful connection because there's such a deep thread between Avalon and the Venusian Rose mysteries, right? So there's so many roots to this path. Yeah, there is. Um... Yeah, and something to add on where I, when I link in with Avalon and the energies of Avalon, and I see that with a lot of people, is that it really, um, well, my teacher, Annabelle de Boulay, always speaks about it, the Isle of Death and Transformation. And this is really what I feel that Avalon brings if you connect with the energies of it or go to the physical place in Glastonbury and with the lands. It's really about parts of yourself dying but not in a sad scary way more parts that no longer serve you can really like be well avalon really helps to release that so that you can then from the inside out be more you and embody more of your soul gifts which in this sense may be the soul retrieval that you're talking about it's just becoming more of who you are on the inside without all of the chatter of is this good enough i'm like will people still Mm. accept me and it just kind of dissolves all that stuff and it really allows you to be fully you yeah Mm. yeah beautifully put yeah yeah powerful energies to work with yeah All right, so I feel we had a really beautiful opening and that kind of sets the tone for the next, uh, let's say, about hour of our conversation. Um, Since this podcast is named Psychical Living, I always ask what psychical living means to you um, because it can be abstract, but I feel it's also pretty rooted and very mundane in a way as well. And how do you experience cyclical living and how would you explain cyclical living to someone? Mm, Yeah, I love this question. And it's such a beautiful, important component of the divine feminine awakening or reawakening that is occurring on the planet right now, because it really takes us away from that kind of traditional patriarchal purely masculine way of thinking 
and experiencing life, which is there's one track leading to the top of the mountain and we must carry on going no matter what happens. So we see this in so many workplaces around the world and indeed the way in which the world is largely controlled by large corporations and yeah, the agendas of the rich elites, right, is through this, I'm just going to keep on going and drain the resources of Mother Earth, no matter mm. what happens, you know, and cyclical living is, is the exact counterpart of that, because it's this idea that we must have balance, we must have cycles of growth and manifestation and cycles of rest and decay and shedding so it actually really links with what we were just speaking about mm -hmm. with the landscape of avalon being that catalyst for transformation and, and shedding and letting go of old stories patterns and beliefs from this lifetime or previous karmic threads that are no longer serving us mm -hmm. right so I would say that really my journey with cyclical living, thinking back about this, really began when I first began to visit Glastonbury and really sensing the energy and the vibrancy of the land and visiting the land through different seasons because I grew up in inner city London and the seasons are visible there, but yeah. they're kind of hidden by all the concrete and tarmac, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Somerset and Glastonbury was like my escape from that matrix and a way for me to tap back into the natural cycles of the land. Mm. And the deeper I went into it, the more I could feel how I was out of alignment with my own cycles. So in particular, my menstrual cycle as, as a woman in her menstrual cycling years, you know, I had really not appreciated that incredible power mm -hmm. that I had within me to harness my cycle yeah. and to really work with my cycle. And for many years, it really felt like I was kind of, kind of working against my cycle, working against the natural flow of my body. And I would have very heavy, very painful periods and I would be constantly on painkillers throughout my period to just keep on going. So I didn't really even notice how intense my periods were until I began to remove the painkillers. And also when I began practicing the fertility awareness method of contraception mm -hmm. as well, mm -hmm. that really brought me into a deeper awareness of the natural flow of my cycle and the natural ebbs and flows of my energy. And honestly, like for many women, I'm sure it has been a tough ride to get on the side of my menstrual cycle yeah. <laughs> and to really make friends with her yeah yeah because at the beginning of my journey it really felt like she was this kind of unruly teenager side of me that didn't want to be controlled and whenever my period came around it would be this huge process that i'd be going through and and it is intense right it's kind it of is. always going to be intense yeah. yeah because every single month we a, a part of us literally dies right and mm -hmm. is shed mm -hmm. and I, I mean this incredible fact i only really realized this probably like four years ago that simple fact and really that is just so transformational in itself to realize this power of 
creation of death and rebirth that happens within our bodies every single month but then of course that's mirrored in the cycles of the moon in the movement of the seasons in the seasonal wheel of the year that those of us who follow the celtic wheel follow right mm -hmm. so it's kind of like really seeing that my body is a perfect hologram of the goddess of mm -hmm. nature itself of all of creation and all of us have cycles in some way right yeah i mean for for most men my understanding is they have like a 24-hour hormonal cycle mm. that they go through and postmenopausal women often share that they still experience a cycle or or a cycling of their hormones or yeah. some other creative energy right so it's really something that that exists throughout so many areas of our life this idea that we have a growth and a burst cycle and then a shedding and releasing cycle and it gives us permission to rest and take a break yeah. and take stock mm -hmm. and spaciousness and that's what nature herself does right yeah. during the winter time mm -hmm. so yeah i could carry on going but i'm gonna stop because <laughs> i feel like you have more questions yeah no that was really beautiful yeah i i really see that as one well, and especially with um so with the inner cycles and then the, the the manifestation the growth and then the rest period that is so beautifully expressive in the feminine body with bleeding i i actually notice it a lot as well in people who don't have that physical um cycle going on in their bodies as well and in tune with the moon Mm. And this is also scientifically, they've researched it. Um, but I noticed that because, um, so I also work some hours for another company with they're mostly men. Um, so they don't have that uh, monthly cycle going on in their bodies. But I noticed a big shift in the energy of, of the group and of the area. When it's full moon, people are so buzzing and there's so much noise and they're chatty and they're laughing and there's more life. Um, and then at new moon, I see a lot more people are going, are more turned inwards, are more, um, some of them are also more, um, more depressed in a way that they're more sad, more down, which also is a little bit of the part of the going down and go, it's not always the nice down, but I feel that with cyclical living, we also are reclaiming that going in the depths and then the rest is actually a very nice thing as well. And you can really relax and open up and it's that breathing out, which feels so good as well. Mm. And the more conscious you make that, the more it becomes just a, a joy to release and let go. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the amazing thing about cyclical living is that it really it means whatever it means to you, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm someone who normally bleeds around the full moon yeah. and I ovulate around the new moon. And generally my understanding is that most people with a menstrual cycle either fall into like full moon bleeders or new moon bleeders, mm -hmm. right? Or somewhere around there. It's quite common for us to gravitate yeah. towards those, those polarities of the moon. And so for me, the full moon is actually an amazing time of release and letting go and shedding mm -hmm. as the moon moves into her waning cycle mm -hmm. and the new moon feels feels like my inner spring it's full of energy and rejuvenation and new ideas and downloads coming in mm -hmm. so 
for many people it might be the other way around you know so it's really however you feel in attunement with the moon and that's why tracking your menstrual cycle or tracking your energy with the moon is, mm -hmm. is such a powerful simple spiritual practice that we can do to kind of add add a deeper meaning to our everyday existence because yeah. we're seeing how the actions that we take are mirrored and influenced by the cycles of nature as well mm -hmm. yeah for sure and i have um an agenda like uh, i have the the yeah agenda it's in english right yeah. <laughs> where you have your days and your calendar stuff with the moon phase on there and so i know that uh when my energy is a little bit in accordance with the moon so i can really prepare and ahead to that so for example when there's a big party i never plan that at the time when naturally my energy is lower because i know that i won't enjoy it i'll be sitting there and i'll be very tired and wanting to go home and so in this way you can really implement that into your life and and live a more full and more pleasurable life ultimately and it's so easy and this is also something that our ancestors used to do they used to live with the moon especially when we didn't have all that um light uh the 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 excess light that we have now back in the day we we wouldn't have that we would live a lot more with the the light of the moon and of the stuff around us and that cyclical living and that was just more natural i don't think they even questioned it i think it was as normal as breathing to our ancestors mm, yeah so um you already talked a little bit about how you moved from the city where the seasons were a bit moss behind the concrete. And I rem when you say that, I recognize that. I, used I lived for two years in Brussels mm -hmm. and I had the same. There was a lot of concrete and yes, there's still like one or two trees and you can see the seasons a little bit in there, but it's not obvious at all as when you live in a place where there's more luscious gardens and um, or if you go to a walk in the forest every day, even if you live in the city. Um, but what made you move? <laughs> That's a great question, but how, wh what was it that pulled you out of the, I call it concrete jungle? Yeah 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 so basically what happened was in my mid-20s i kind of hit this uh this crossroads where i could have carried on following the kind of rat race that a lot of my friends were and continue up the career ladder that mm -hmm. i was in i had a, a phd in biology at that point and so I was really, yeah, really highly educated in a particular way, <laughs> you could say. And I really loved my PhD, but my favorite parts of it were being outside, doing field work. Mm. And so I really hit this crossroads and then there was this other side of me that was, like the voice was just getting louder and louder in my head. And it really was the voice of my higher self or mm -hmm. the voice of my guide speaking to me in the form of my higher self, I now realize that was just calling me to just really take a moment, take a pause in cyclical living sense, <laughs> and just really look at the direction of my life and whether or not I was just following along a plan that 
other people had put in place for me following along with the matrix right of job after job and yeah. you're a slave to the system kind of thing or whether or not i was really creating a life by design mm -hmm. and don't get me wrong there are ways to coexist in both worlds and be incredibly happy and fulfilled but i think for me i've always been quite a radical soul my moon is in Aquarius and so I have this quite kind of like out there side of me and yeah I've just always been very opinionated very on my own track and yeah just just very much called to the alternative mm -hmm. um to really looking at things from different different angles and I'm a seeker of truth right yeah. like many of us who are on this spiritual path are mm -hmm. And so I think that's really what led me. And the catalyst was when I began my priestess training, which was a three-year training that I did with the mm -hmm. Glastonbury Goddess Temple. And that was really when I first experienced true sisterhood. Yeah. Because previously, I think, most of my relationships with other women had been competitive in some way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And that training was so revolutionary because it was really about each one of us actualizing and realizing our soul's gifts mm -hmm. and that we didn't have to compete for a limited amount of resources or attention or whatever yeah. or achievement or whatever that actually we get to define our own success and step into the light of our priestess self supported by our sisters and brothers. Right. So that was kind of happening at the same time and I remember I went to the Glastonbury Goddess Conference and it was my first time attending the conference and one of the priestesses said to me when she was in a trance state so we have these beautiful ceremonies in the conference where the priestesses embody the goddess and they bring through messages for people and she said to me you're being called to move to my land and you're being called to create more music, to devote more time to your music. And that was just so, like I'd never experienced my own soul reflected in another person's words like yeah. that before. It was my first experience of a channeling or an oracling or anything mm -hmm. like that. And it just, there, there was no, there was no plan B from that point. I'm the kind of person where when I go for something, I really go for it. I go mm -hmm. all in yeah. and I've just always been kind of like that. And I think again, it relates to my natal chart and my astrology with my Capricorn sun and I'm Aries rising and all of these things. So anyway, I just basically put all of my belongings in my car and drove down to Glastonbury. and. Mm -hmm. I was really welcomed by the Lady of Avalon. It really was this incredible moment of synchronicities and doors opening for me. And, and yes, as well, it was difficult because Avalon, mm. as I'm sure you know, is this place that also brings up our shadows yeah, and really takes us deep <laughs> into the underworld. So there was a there was a huge process of shedding, but it really felt like I was on this kind of spiritual accelerator, kind of like like mm -hmm. an escalator kind yeah. of thing <laughs> yeah because if i just stayed put i might have come to the same conclusion but it probably would have taken me way longer actually yeah. so it's just that reminder to listen to those nudges in our soul and follow yeah. them right? yeah big time yeah big time when you were speaking there about the person who was channeling something 
what I feel is really beautiful to, to use as the inner compass is listen to the signs of your body, especially because when we live in this more of a um, linear way where the everyday is the same and it's the push of the ladder and, and, and we, we live with that, we, we really put everything in our mind and we really live from the mind and the rational. And that is super important. And thank God for the mind and the rational. Um, but when something happens and somebody says something and it just goes deep into your heart, your body, you can feel mm. like everything just screaming like, oh, yes. And the, the mind might be like, I don't know what's going on. All those are really beautiful things to follow. And then you end up in your soul's home. I had that when you um, were offering your um, weekend, the temple singers, weekend for the temple singers. I heard just this really short mm. snippet. I think it was two minutes in, in regular time. But my whole body just, it, it everything, all the pores went open and I started to feel this really beautiful hole, this magnetic feminine pole in a way. And I knew, okay, I need to be there. And then I, at that time, I, I, I still had to work and I didn't get any time off, but I just felt like, no, I need to be there and it will all <laughs> sort out. It will like magically align. And it did, it did. I end up shifting work and I had that perfect timing in between free to come and join you in Avalon Glastonbury for the temple singers. And then that ultimately allows you to go so much deeper into your heart, into your soul. And when you hop from experience to experience, with this way, mm. with this magnetic pole, you really become more and more of your full soul self. And then eventually that really manifests in what you offer to the world, because ultimately that's what we really desire. I feel a lot of humans, yes, we want to live more of ourselves, but to be able to share that with others, right? And that's what you also said with the sisters there. Mm. Yeah, I think I think that's amazing that feeling of that feminine magnetism and I guess ultimately it really comes back to when I was putting that offering out into the world mm. I knew that that was a really deep soul offering that my whole being was 100% behind you know and it it took me many years to get to that point of really looking at the, the things that I offer and really feeling the weight of my integrity in every single one of them. And that does take trial and error for many of us, right? And tweaking and really seeing and sensing how things are received and how that interplays with what we wish to offer. And again, that's where cyclical living comes in because when we give ourselves time to really reflect after each offering that we create as entrepreneurs or whatever it is that you're creating when we give ourselves time and that spaciousness to really listen to the response from goddess god source energy however you would describe that it's such a gift because it's in those moments that we really can intuit our next steps and we can really understand where we're being led to next so mm -hmm. Yeah, it was amazing that you felt that call and could come and join us. It was such a joy to have you in the space. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I hear in this uh, the 
transformation from force into um yeah cyclical living in a way where in force you have this goal and and i mean i'm aries sun so amazing <laughs> very goal oriented <laughs> yes. like massively goal oriented um but also our whole culture is very goal oriented and there's again nothing wrong with having goals no. but when we live in a cyclical way we allow for more space for goals to grow to shift mm. to transform and there is no push so for me that in my business that really uh, anchors in um where i used to be very focused and oriented on working with women alone and alone on the um, menstrual cycle but then i i felt this pull to open up to not just focus on women but also on men and to really open up and just focus on cyclical living mm-hmm. and then this podcast was born, born from that so and i feel like this is when i would be forcing i would be like no cuz you know i already did the training for the women stuff and i already have that knowledge now and i'm already so good at it so i might just go in that way because what else am i am i going to do and but then when you open up and then that's how how you see that uh, god is god source really playing with you as they they provide you you say like oh i feel drawn in this direction and then magically mm-hmm. opportunities and stuff and people come into your life that make that more of a reality yeah mm-hmm. hello dear one allow me to quickly jump in here Do you want to go deeper into the topic of cyclical living? Then the cyclical living masterclass might be something for you. Are you done pushing yourself from an empty cup? Or do you feel on the verge of burnout or tired from the zombie-like state of living completely void of pleasure? Well, when you learn how to live in a way that is rooted in your body and nature, you cultivate resilience. You are able to tap into the deepest layers of yourself and bring them out to the world to share. In the Cyclical Living Masterclass, I'll be teaching you just how to do that. This masterclass is for activists, new paradigm leaders, sacred rebels who want to change the system from the inside out, and for all those who would like to live a life based and soul purpose and pleasure follow the link in the description box below to enroll and it is my deepest pleasure to welcome you there my love now back to the episode totally and it really does come back to clarity but also surrender at the same time right yeah 100%. which might seem a little bit confusing yeah. but it's like we say what our intentions are or our highest vision of what's to come yeah. but then we also leave space for something totally new to arise yeah. and so like an example which is not related to my business but it kind of feeds into it is that i had been feeling in recent months a little bit stagnant musically mm-hmm. and i had this real deep desire in me to do to do more performing with other people which is not something that i've done really for probably 4 years 
in terms of like being on a stage part of a group oh, performing yeah. right yeah because i'd been so deep in my priestess path and weaving mm. my sacred music and all of this and it was kind of like as soon as i had that thought opportunities um arose for me like a friend of mine rang me up and she and she said i'm doing this gig at a festival do you want to sing with me and i was like great you know <laughs> after two years of the pandemic not really socializing that much it's so beautiful to also sorry i'm just i was out for a while my internet was okay oh. yeah uh so <laughs> i heard you from uh, the friend rang you up and okay yeah <laughs> cool so <laughs> It was, was it my internet? Or no, it was mine. It was okay. mine. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So my beautiful friend, Maya Love, rang me up and she said, I'm going back to gig at a festival. Do you want to sing with me? And I was like, hell yes, I would love to do that. <laughs> you know, because it was that direct, almost immediate confirmation from the universe that this is a part of me that's wanting to expand. And mm. Here's the pathway for it to expand yeah. within. Mm -hmm. And after two years of, of the pandemic and recording all of my music online and being mostly by myself or with my partner doing that, it's so great to have that creative outlet now mm -hmm. and more opportunities coming in to expand my creative practice. So yeah. yes, it's all about the space and the spaciousness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And that expands, that, that expansion, it's just natural what we do. It was that's what life wants to do. It wants to expand. And, and that is so beautiful in this way that you also say and how if you allow that to happen, so much beauty comes forward. Yeah. So you mentioned your music. And I would love to hear more about that because, yeah, your music is really beautiful for anyone who listen it, listening who doesn't know Elsa's music really beautiful to listen to it it's a little bit on spotify maybe also on your website they can buy cds yeah, and stuff so i have yeah. it in two places so because the kind of music i create doesn't really fit into any genre it's always been this journey for me of like how yeah how to birth it into the world so mm. i have some songs on Spotify, which are kind of shorter transmissions. And mm. then I have longer, like much longer soundscapes that you can use in your meditation classes or rituals or your own personal practice that are available on my website as well. Mm. Beautiful. And can you tell me a little bit about the story behind your music and how that came out into the world? And then maybe also something about your cyclical approach into creating it, because we already talked about that before. And that is so interesting. And I would really yeah. love the listeners to hear it as well. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, as I mentioned before, I was classically trained um, as a singer. And so really that, that channel has been open within me for quite a long time. And although I did have kind of rigorous experiences with that, I was quite fortunate in that I didn't, it didn't restrict me because I do have, um, have friends and associates that have, have really received quite a lot of restriction from being in the classical singing world and mm. I wasn't really in it at that level at which it kind of indoctrinated me <laughs> into yeah. a particular way of being so when I found the path of 
of the goddess and really the path of the goddess within me that was really when something in me just expanded and opened and again I was gifted so many opportunities to expand and moving to Glastonbury was the best thing that I could have done because it's it's really incredible here how there are physical spaces that have been created that are dedicated to the goddess and those spaces are available for you to use and to enjoy and to create within Mm -hmm. so within the glastonbury goddess temple kind of nexus we have the goddess house we have the goddess hall we have the goddess temple itself and several other rooms that are related as well so i really was catapulted into that world and i just found that her music began to flow through me and I speak to many women who are on the priestess path and who have that kind of channel within them for sacred sound and there's a there's a similar experience that many people share around just feeling chants dropping in songs dropping in and when I'm out on a walk I might be recording it on my phone because it's like I have to capture it in the moment while I'm seeing the wind blowing through that tree and a chant (laughs) is coming in or whatever and I know that it will be lost if I don't. Yeah. So that was kind of how it started. And then actually really what what catalyzed the kind of grounding of it was when I met my partner, Jerome, because mm-hmm. he is a music producer. And so that was incredible to have his support to really ground my vision and mm-hmm. actually record some of my music. And it's just kind of all developed from there. And you know, I still feel very, it's interesting because talking to you now, like there's still a place in me that does feel quite humble with my music because, you know, there's that place of, there's so much more to come. Like I still feel like I'm right at the beginning of my journey with it, (laughs) even though it's been four years that I've been recording music now, Mm -hmm. but it's like, it's developed in so many different ways within that time Mm. and really I just create on impulse I really don't have a plan with it and that's kind of what I'm like with my business as well and I just allow myself to be guided by whichever guides are coming through for me now so at the beginning I was really attuned with the Lady of Avalon and through the years it's kind of branched out into opening up to Mary Magdalene and her teachings, Isis and Hathor, the Egyptian goddesses. And that was really my kind of actualization in this lifetime of what it means to be a devotional singer for the goddess, because there have been thousands and thousands of women who have carried that archetype throughout history or history. And really it connects me with them and that's Mm. that's really the pathway for all of my teachings now is seeing how the ways in which we're being called to sing and create music for the goddess now Mm -hmm. are also really reflected and there it's a remembering of what's gone before yeah it connects us with our with our ancestors and with these incredible women around the world who followed this path so yeah that's a bit of a spiel about my music and then the cyclical living approach yeah maybe before we go into the cyclical approach because when you were speaking about how you it's a remembering i i Mm. felt that i i 
like things like <laughs> <laughs> it started to come alive and I I saw these beautiful images that you posted on Instagram when you went to Egypt mm -hmm. of the murals and how how many women who were drumming and holding the instrument uh what's the, the name sistrum. yeah the sistrum and I just the what I find so beautiful is that this is there's it's not new it's mm. so ancient and it's really remembering that and it's bringing that back and in that way it's also a huge cycle that is coming back yeah and can you maybe share a little bit about those images on the temple walls yeah, of Egypt of if you feel like yeah 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 I'd love to so the archetype of the priestess of sacred sound that I work with is really deeply connected to the ancient Egyptian temples and mm. temple singers. And so within all of the temples in ancient Egypt, they had priestesses and priests who lived and worked there, right? And within that group, the temple musicians were really at the core of temple life. So it was the temple musicians and also the temple dancers. So many women who come to me often have an affinity for embodied movement and dance as well, mm. because there was often a real link between those two groups, of course. And so the music that they created was, were, was invocations and celebrations and everything in between. So one of the really common things that we observe in um, the kind of later Egyptian temples. So during the Greco-Roman period when they mm -hmm. were built is that many of them had this mamisi, which was a smaller temple built on the side. Okay. And this is often dedicated to, um, well, in modern times, the archeologists of course say it's dedicated to uh, the God King, right? to the child god king, mm. to the birth of Horus, who's one yeah. of the ancient Egyptian gods. But actually really intuiting it and looking more deeply into it, we see that these were places of, of birth. They were places where women gave birth. Oh. And so these birthing temples are incredible. That they, When I went there, there was hardly anyone visiting them because they were kind of like, oh, small building on the side, I'm not gonna go in there. But, <laughs> For me, that was where all the magic was because mm. it's where we see the cycles of life really being celebrated and honored in the imagery of Hathor or Isis, that goddess embodiment giving birth and nursing the child. And all of the women are supporting the birth with the images of the frame drum and the sistrum, the sacred rattle of the priestesses of Hathor. Yeah. And so, yeah, I love that this has come into this conversation around the cycles because it really is that acknowledgement of the rites of passage of life that the sacred sound created. Mm. And also that, that sound and vibrational medicine, it really, it's part of our, our living embodiment of the divine, of really calling the divine in from within us rather than from some high up place that we're calling it down mm -hmm. right it really grounds what we do in the here and now so that's why i love to use sound in ceremony and in yeah. ritual um so yeah it's i mean it's 
such a rich and deep history and there are so many layers and there are several other women who are really exploring these mysteries and for anyone who is listening and who's interested to go deeper initially i would really recommend the book by lane redmond when the drummers were women oh yeah yeah because that book really opened me up to so much of this world and she's focused on the use of the frame drum throughout ancient cultures and how this was a traditional women's instrument and related to your podcast a lot of that has to do with the drum being the symbol of the moon the symbol of the moon goddess Mm. and aligning us with the rhythm of life with the pulse of life Mm. that is that that cycle you know the first rhythm that we ever hear is the pulse of our mother's heartbeat when we're in the womb so sound sacred sound they're such primordial ancient forces and for me they're one of the key priestess arts that we can work with when we're facilitating transformation for others as well Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i i actually feel deeply how i've been supported with sound and music throughout my life and even on an unconscious level although right now that's like shifting into a more conscious way but um and especially at those times, like you say, the rites of passage. I remember when when I, there was this one period when I was so, so sick and physically in pain. And the only thing I could do was play music and listen to the music. And that made it so soft. And, and there is something in music and not just for the pain, also for the beauty. I mean, at parties, wh- why do we love so much to go to parties? It's because of that sound that can really, that vibration that just comes through our whole body. And it's really beautiful to see. And I would love to see that back, actually. Imagine giving birth and having these beautiful women holding you with their drum, with their music and playing on the rhythms that you offer them because I imagine that if the woman who was was birthing was the one being central and the musicians would attune to her rhythm instead of now in the hospitals where the woman needs to uh, attune to the doctor who Mm. has this time schedule imagine the difference of coming into life in that way yeah totally yeah and i love that you you brought up this experience that you had around music really relieving your pain because Mm -hmm. i really feel like this is something that the ancients knew about and really used so when we look at the mythology surrounding the sistrum the ancient rattle of hathor that instrument in a lot of the the kind of text the texts that are found on temple walls they talk about how it's used to kind of placate the rage of of the goddess or um yeah really really move the energy Mm. and for me that feels like okay this was a womb healing instrument they Mm. used it to really move the energy within the feminine body because we because we experience these cycles as i'm sure many of you of your listeners will experience as well we do go through times when when rage comes up, right? Yeah. Sacred rage, especially during the premenstrual portion, the kind of enchantress <laughs> portion of our cycle, after we've ovulated and we're we're kind of more wise, we've gone through the whole cycle, we're at this point of receiving all the knowledge that's come before. And so my belief is that 
these practices and these tools were these really ancient foundations of the feminine mystery schools of the feminine embodiment practices that were used was moving the energy with sound and using that to support the cycles of life and when when people passed over using sound to release the collective grief to really honor that person's life or when a baby was born the celebration and joy involved or at marriages you know all of these things were it's part of of the cycle of life and having the support of music of song of sacred sound is something that we can bring back in 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 the present day at my grandma's funeral a few months ago i felt really really called to offer something and my family are mostly quite unaware of what i do they kind of vaguely know what I do. <laughs> they know it's something to do with singing and the goddess, right? Yeah. But my grandma, she was always so beautifully supportive of my path. And mm-hmm. when she passed, I really felt called to bring my crystal bowls and do some singing for her during during her ceremony. And it really seeing how it gave my relatives permission to open up to their grief was really powerful to see and i'm saying that without ego because really it could have been anyone singing in Mm. that way but it's like opening the channel really allowing your voice to be heard Mm. and the voice of your grief to be heard is something that in our modern day society we kind of put a stopper on so much and it's these compressed stagnated emotions that i really believe are at the root of so many of our health issues and for Mm -hmm. women so many of our reproductive health issues and difficult periods painful periods i know that's what it was for me as soon as i started giving voice to the pain it really began to move for sure yeah that's that alchemy that is happening yeah for sure i feel that too um when when something is stuck, I'm I'm really learning to just voice it and start grunting or doing. And there is this voice in my head that's like, oh, you're such a weirdo. But I move through it anyway because the relief and the release that happens when you allow that to open up, it's really, really beautiful. And yeah, so thank you so much for sharing that. And I could only imagine that for your family, it must have been really beautiful. And also yeah, just tapping into that field and that energy of everyone and voicing that, it mm-hmm. is really, it's such a bomb to the soul on so many levels. Yeah. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, so we had a really beautiful conversation and I feel like maybe we can start to uh round it <laughs> there's a dutch word coming into my head but anyway like uh bring it to a close with the thing that i would ask um well two questions left one is what would you suggest for people to live in a more cyclical way but then i think mm. here it's really interesting to bring in that story of people who um want to record their music or who want to work with their voice in a cyclical way how would you should suggest them to do that yeah great so ah there's so many there's so many ways to attune 
to the cycles, aren't there? Yeah. <laughs> That's why <laughs> I created a podcast. Yeah. We can have so many episodes. <laughs> yeah. Let me just feel sure. into what's wanting to yeah. come through in this moment. Mm -hmm. I think really the first thing that we can do is to really honor the natural signs and signals of your body. So if you feel the need to rest rather than ignoring it or intaking more caffeine or whatever <laughs> it is that you would do to push through that feeling, just taking a moment, like drink more water, get hydrated, feel into what is it that I'm feeling that's, one, that's making me want to have another coffee right now? Mm -hmm. Do I just need to go and take a nap or clear some space in my schedule for me to go on a walk because knowing that you your body is this sacred cyclical temple and really by listening to her you're gonna unlock so much more power and creativity in your life in the long run yeah. it's really important to remember and this took me a long time to really honor in my being um, especially as, as someone who came from this quite kind of academic, quite high powered sort mm. of world where there's this constant pressure to create, this constant pressure to publish in journals and to be at the top of your game all the time, mentally and physically, mm -hmm. right? And actually that's not the way that our human bodies are designed to work, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, just listening to your body, like in this moment now as you're watching this podcast, taking some deep breaths and just feeling into the space of your body and asking her what is it that she really desires right now rather than what does she need what does she desire maybe it is some more space and time in this day just to be just to rest maybe if you are a cyclical being with a menstrual cycle feeling into what stage of your menstrual cycle you're in right now is there something that you can do to support her in that stage so for me the first step with cyclical living just is just tuning into your body mm -hmm. and whatever practices you have to do that maybe it's yoga maybe it's breath work Maybe it's singing and song or walking, hiking, running, whatever it is that really tunes you into how your body is feeling. Mm. Because that for me was the route home to my health. And I mean, there are so many changes that I made once I began living in this more cyclical way. A really big one was my diet, like really looking at what I was eating cyclically as well to support me in different stages of my cycle. Mm -hmm. So that's something that listeners could really feel into as well. Like if you are someone with a menstrual cycle, feeling after your bleed, are you really nourishing and supporting yourself with yeah. extra iron intake in your diet? Be that in the form of, of meat, if you eat meat or green leafy vegetables, legumes, consuming vitamin C with your iron sources, you know, all these things we can do just in those first few days after your bleed that really make a difference. So yeah, I mean, 
diet is a huge topic that I would love to talk about with you maybe another time because I'm, I'm literally so passionate about this now just feeling how for so many years I just deprived my body of what she was craving mm. like I can't do it anymore I just can't like if if I feel my body desires something now I'm like right I'm going out I'm buying a steak it's happening <laughs> you know but anyway and everyone's different with that right Mm -hmm. so again it's like listening to your body is that first step for sick people living calling in nettles for all the vegans Mm, yes (laughs) so the weeds nettles is really high in iron and it's perfect uh supplement for vegans and and all other people who yeah so go ahead yeah (laughs) just nettles really want to grab some nettles (laughs) yeah yeah If you live in a European country, you'll probably have nettles within like two paces of your door. Yeah. Yeah. And then the piece around the voice and music in relation to your cycle. So um, yeah, again, this relates to the menstrual cycle. So I don't know how this relates to those who are not cycling or are postmenopausal actually but it'd be really interesting to to look into that as well. Mm. But I know there's been some research done on women's voices in relation to the menstrual cycle Mm. and what's really interesting is that when we are bleeding our voices are naturally more inward and when we are ovulating they are more attractive so i think in the study that i'm remembering it was um, a heterosexual kind of study so they were looking at women's voices and how attractive they were to men Mm. And when women were ovulating, their voices were were way more attractive, like men wanted to listen to them more, which I thought was so interesting because I'd kind of been just recording music whenever I felt the creative urge. But also Mm. when I listened to some songs that I recorded when I was bleeding, Mm. my voice is totally different to how it sounds in the middle of my cycle or any other time. And so, yeah, just really listening into that pull of of when your voice is really desiring to actually go out there into the world and be heard and received versus when your voice and your sacred expression is desiring to be heard more by you mm-hmm. and making space for yourself to listen to that inner knowing and that inner wisdom, which for me is definitely when I'm just before my bleed and on my bleed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear that. Me as well. I, I, for, for me, it's recording courses and stuff. I almost never do that in my, in my uh, premenstrual phase because I just don't want to that much. And then if I start speaking, I might become so like uh, stuff just doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, work. it's like finding the words <laughs> is so much harder, right? Yeah, yeah. So I hear that. Oh, that's so beautiful. Mm, that's really, really beautiful. And it's so cool to implement in life. And I could even see it in a relationship showing up if you want to have a conversation with your partner and it's mm. a little bit of a hard conversation or a family member. Don't do it when you're premenstrual. yeah I mean I feel like I feel like I go through phases with this because Mm -hmm. many people say that the premenstrual phase is also that phase when we're very connected with our inner truth as well yeah but I do I do agree with you that there's also that edge of 
everything gets a little bit more heightened yeah. <laughs> so it's like okay i've got the download about my truth but mm -hmm. do i have the capacity to express it yeah. to that yeah. other person in a really loving non-reactive mm -hmm. non-judgmental way <laughs> So it's like you get the that download. That sounds so hard to do. Like that's it. that's setting the bar really high. It for is, yourself. but honestly, I noticed how like when I was really struggling with my hormones about a year ago, before I undertook these deep changes in my diet and lifestyle and shift to really going all in with cyclical living, I noticed how like almost every month when I was premenstrual, I would have a terrible argument with my partner <laughs> that was really not even about anything that important. <laughs> and it would it would cause like a lot of really deep grief in our relationship and he mm. would be so upset about it mm. and that was really the point where I was like okay something's got to change now yeah. I can't live my life in this way so yeah. it's all about that. cyclical living yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly and the beauty is if you have like a little bit of a hiccups in one month you have another chance the next month so it's not <laughs> about so perfection true. it's about you know just moving with it flowing with it all right, beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Um, my final question that I also ask everyone, which is a really fun way to end it, and that's just shortly, how would you think the world would look like, or how would you describe a world where everyone started go back into cyclical living? How would that be married? Mm, I think the first thing that came to my mind, the first image I had was... Um, round buildings <laughs> like not living in these harsh four-walled boxes you know just that expansion into community living into really living in a way where we're supporting the families around us so in that sense you know, I'm reluctant to use the word tribe because I feel like it has so many complex connotations and also going back to tr purely tribal living, I'm sure would not be <laughs> that incredible either in terms of like warring with other tribes and all, all of right. those things that used to happen. Yeah. But it's it's really more that place of, of recognizing the soul family. So mm -hmm. not just our direct bloodline family, but also feeling how softening into cyclical living and ways in which we support each other through the seasons and cycles and come together yeah. in celebration around the harvest times of the year or the rest times of the year around mm. winter solstice like how that can bring us back into connection with others and especially in these times when there's so much fear and negativity in the mainstream media that seeks to divide us yeah i feel like cyclical living really gives us that permission slip to come back into connection with mm -hmm. others yeah and with those beautiful. ancient cycles yeah that's really beautiful as you were speaking about that the books the series earth children of gene uh, m owl i don't know if you've read it no i haven't they came to mind it's uh, set in prehistorical times and it really talks about how we are like uh, dependent on each other and that community living within the mm -hmm. seasons yeah it's a really beautiful one. but that's so beautiful the way that you describe the world that way and i i deeply resonate with that i feel like it will definitely and imagine how fun the harvest festival to bring that out again 
into the streets and stuff. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and the forest. All right. So thank you so much, Elsa. For people who would love to connect with you, we already said that they can find your music on Spotify and on your website, but you also have amazing, beautiful offers, uh, coaching, one-on-one as well, and maybe some other things. Where can they find you? Yeah, so for all my offerings, you can go to my website, elsafield.co.uk. I do have one-to-one containers for people who really wish to explore and embody their sacred voice Mm. and I also hold group programs as well where we get to dive into these temple mysteries and deeply remember the ancient ways of the priestess of sacred sound as well and you can find me on Instagram I'm Avalon Songstress on Instagram and on Facebook as well. I have a beautiful community called Divine Feminine Devotions on Facebook. So you can come and join us. It's totally free and just receive the seasonal offerings and reflections and yeah, deep devotion that that space offers. Mm, Beautiful. Yeah. All right. So thank you so much for joining me in here. Thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Mm, it has it has hi my dear this concludes the end of this episode how was it for you i hope it has brought you inspiration and activation for your body and soul and if you feel this episode is something a friend or a loved one should hear do pass it along This is deeply loved and felt by me. So thank you, thank you, thank you, baby. (laughs) If you feel the pull to work deeper with me, come and say hi through Instagram, or you can find me at Dusthera, that is B-O-U-S dot S-A-R-A-H. Or check out my offers on my website, duspardus.com, that is V-O-U-S-B-A-R-D-O-U-S dot com. And for now, I wish you so, so much cyclical bliss. Deep love, Sarah.